Thank you for being here to worship with us, and especially if you're here for the first time and you're a first-time guest, uh, welcome to our house. We're so glad you can uh, be with our family here. Uh, We warmly welcome you. So today, uh, we're going to be... We're going to be learning from Psalm chapter 43. We're going to kick off a new series called The Final Word. Uh, we decided to maybe move that to next week where we'll officially kick off that series. But today I wanted to share something with you that's been very heavy on my heart. And I felt just an urgency to, to speak about it from the pulpit. And so if you have your Bibles, you have your apps, please open it up to Psalm 43. And I'm going to take you verse by verse and share from this scripture And as you turn to Psalm 43, let's stop, let's pray, and ask the Lord to come and open up our hearts to his word, okay? Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we just want to slow down just a bit. We want to take this intentional pause to come before you and ask that you would come and that you would bring healing to our souls. Lord, I know there are a lot of people who are suffering or hurting this morning. Maybe it's physical. Or that's something my family had experienced this week. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's mental or spiritual. God, you are our great physician. And I pray that you would show us what that means, how powerful you are. And I pray that you would bring healing to us, God. I pray, Lord, that you would allow us to experience what your Bible calls your shalom, your peace. Lord, that you would fill us with wholeness in every way, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. God, heal us, God, and let us live the abundant life that you intend for us to live. So, God, I pray that your word would come alive and it would speak into very specific places in our lives, Lord. And I pray that we would find hope and life and joy through your word. So we look forward to this time with great excitement, with eager expectation. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, show of hands, how many of you guys have pets at home? How many of you guys have pets at home? A lot of pet owners. How many of you guys love to, to cuddle in your bed with your pet? Maybe you have a dog or you have a cat, uh, maybe a bunny rabbit, and, and you love to just cuddle in bed with your pet. My friend, uh, Pastor Todd, he, he came and shared one time, and he talked about how his daughter has um, a very good friend, and their family had a pet boa constrictor. A, a huge snake, and they, they had the boa constrictor in the family since uh, the daughter was a little baby, and so she basically grew up with this snake, and they became very affectionate with one another, and she would love to sleep in bed with the boa constrictor, and the boa constrictor would, would curl itself up right next to her pillow, and they would sleep together, very, many nights together, and then there was this one particular week where they noticed the snake wasn't eating. And everything that they fed the snake would go untouched. So they're very concerned. Maybe he's getting old and maybe he's getting sick. So they took the bow constrictor to the vet and they said, hey, he's not eating. Is he sick? What can we do? So the vet started asking questions to try to see if there's any change in behaviors. And then they couldn't really think of anything except the fact that he's not eating. And also they noticed that that week, instead of uh, sleeping with the daughter curled up in, in her bed next to her pillow, the, the snake began to affectionately sleep next to the daughter, elongating himself, just sleeping next to her side. 
And as soon as the vet heard that, he freaked out. He said, you need to put the snake down. You need to get rid of the snake. And so you're crazy. Why would we do that? He's part of our family. He's one of our family members. He says, no, listen, your snake is not sick and your snake is not starving. Your snake is preparing itself for its next big meal. You need to get rid of the snake. And they go, no, you're, you're crazy. He's part of our family. I think we're going to get a second opinion. And so they went to try to look for another vet, try to set an appointment. Four days later, while sleeping in bed, that snake devoured that little girl. No, I'm just kidding. That didn't happen. <laughs> you can relax. <laughs> That's not a true story at all. The only thing true about that story is Pastor Todd did tell that story, but it's a parable. It's a terrible parable. But, but here's, here's the story. It's, it's actually based on a true story. And maybe it's based on your story. See, because many of us lay at, at, in bed at night, awake, and there's a snake who would love to climb into bed with you and keep you up at night. And he, he, he just wants to chat with you. He just wants to talk story and, and, and share, maybe keeping you up for hours to talk. And he'll say things like, so, hey, how's your, how's your marriage going? Like, seriously, how, how is your marriage going? And I'll get all comfortable in bed and, bro, how, how do you even deal with that lady next to you? Seriously. I mean, besides the fact that she snores like a beast, like, I mean, and she's sleeping and she's that annoying. But why, though? Why, why does she nag you so much, though, bro? And her, and, oh, her, her mom, oh, my gosh, her mom. She's becoming a mini-me. Get, get it out of your life. I'm telling you, it's not good for you. Look, I, I know it's frustrating. It's bothering you. Here, here let's just lose your, lose your mind. Like, get your mind off of it, okay? This is good. This will help you. Check this out. Bro, how, co- how come no one likes your posts? Dude, that's messed up. I like your posts. What? How come you don't have that many followers? Like, <laughs> like this guy, this guy is, look how many followers, it's because he's hilarious. This guy, look, you just got to be funnier. You're a little boring. Just be funnier and you'll have, you'll have likes like this guy. Look, or, or, or this girl, look at her. If you had some money, you could go on vacations like her and you'd have, fo- oh man, look at All right, let's put, let's put this away. But seriously, can we be honest? I mean, you trust me, right? Of course, you let me in bed with you. Of course you trust me. Look, I'm only going to tell you the truth because I care about you. You know, at work, man, I don't think you're cutting it, bro. I mean, you're just, I don't know if you add value to the team. I mean, look, at, look at Rachel. She's crushing it. And you're getting crushed. Maybe you're just not qualified. And he starts talking and chapping chattering in your ear, yapping and yapping, and you're staying up at night listening to this stuff. And some of us are losing sleep because we've let a snake into our bed. Or maybe you've given him a seat at your desk. Or maybe you've made a place for him at your table. Or maybe you've given him the shotgun seat on your commute to work every morning. And he's just talking and talking and talking, and we realize our mind has become a battlefield. 
where the enemy wants to do an all-out attack on that which is true in you and all that is true about you, and he's attacking it. And what I want to do this morning is I want to look at Psalm 43, and in Psalm 43 we see this, this guy who, who feels what some of you are feeling this morning, where there is a war in his mind, and instead of losing his mind, he wins the war in his mind. And so in Psalm 43, I'm going to take you verse by verse. I'm going to show you three things. I'm going to show you the situation. I'm going to show you the solution. Then I'm going to give you the application. Okay, so the situation, the solution, the application. Let's start with the situation. So here's the situation. If you're taking notes, write this down. I want to show you how the oppression of the enemy leaves us in darkness. The oppression of the enemy leaves us in darkness. And so to break the situation now, I'm going to show you what's going on on the outside. Then I'm going to show you what's going on deep on the inside. So on the surface, on the outside of things, the psalmist is feeling attacked. Like there are people turning against him. And some people think that the psalmist is David. David's writing the psalm. And if that's true, then that enemy could be the Philistines, the Philistine army whom he was often at war against. Or it could be his own people in Israel who have sided with King Saul to turn against David. Or it could be the people within Israel who sided with Absalom to go against David. And yet though there's a people that he feels have turned against him, there's one person in particular, a, a mastermind, who's influencing these, uh, these attacks. He's a man of deception and ungodliness. And so here's what he says in verse 1, Psalm 43, verse 1. He says, Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. And so that's the situation on the outside. I'm being attacked by many people, but there's a particular man who's deceitful and unjust. And that might be referred, referring to the Philistine king or the king of Israel, which is Saul, or it could be Absalom. But there is one person who is deceitful and ungodly who's influencing everybody else. So that's the outward situation. That's what's going on on the surface. Let me now take you deeper. What's going on on the inside? Because the inward emotional situation is one of despair and oppression. And the oppression that the enemy is causing is causing this, his soul to mourn. Look what he says in verse 2. He says, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? And now he's feeling like God has turned against him. Not, not only am I isolated from everybody and everybody's against me, why have you, God, the one I take refuge in, why have you rejected me? And there's mourning in my soul, and what we see is the oppression of the enemy is causing depression in his soul. Now here's why I wanted to preach from Psalm 43 this morning. I believe this passage speaks powerfully to what many of us listening right now, what many of us may be going through. Pastor Dave and I, we did a, a wedding uh, during COVID last year in 2020, and it was in the city of Orange. It's this cute little chapel, and we were talking to the owner of that chapel, and she was t telling us how she does weddings, but she also does a lot of funerals. 
And she says, you know, there's a lot of COVID funerals, but she said, you know, the truth is a lot of these funerals aren't really from COVID. She told us most of them are from suicides. She told, and this was outrageous. She said half to three-fourths of the funerals I'm doing are suicides. And when I heard that, that was unbelievable. Like, literally, I couldn't believe it. That's, that's an outrageous number. I, I, I don't think that's true. I think you're kind of making that up. And then the year would go on. And then there would be another week if I would he- I'd hear about somebody taking their life or another person dealing with mental health issues or somebody struggling with depression or someone losing sleep because of anxiety. Then even more recently, I heard about three people who took their own lives in three different weeks. And then I remember what the chapel owner said to us, and all of a sudden, it's not so unbelievable. It's not so unbelievable anymore, but it is still unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And I want to say to anybody listening, it's okay to not be okay. But it is not okay for those who are not okay to not have any hope. Like, it's okay. If you're not feeling okay, that's okay. But it is not okay for you not to know the hope that is available to us. And so I feel compelled to speak this morning and speak to anyone listening to my words. If you are hearing my voice, listen, there is a hope available to us. An infinite supply. There's an abundance of this hope. It's available to you. It's accessible. I want to be a hope dealer this morning. And I want to let you know what you have. You can have it right now. Now, I know I'm not a doctor, and I'm not a psychologist. And I admit, there are things a doctor and a psychologist can offer you if you're struggling with mental health issues. There's something they can offer you that I I probably can't. They could offer a medical perspective and a psychological perspective. And so I, I, I beg you, please, 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 if you're struggling right now and you're not okay, tell somebody. Tell somebody in this family. Email us. Email me. And let's connect you to the right people. But with that being said, even though I'm not a doctor, nor am I a psychologist, I am a pastor. And what I want to do this morning, I want to give you a spiritual perspective that we cannot ignore. And the spiritual perspective is this. We have an enemy who wants to oppress us and depress us. And he wants to do so by attacking all that is true. He wants to attack that which is true in you and that which is true about you. And just as this psalmist in Psalm 43, there was a mastermind, there was a person influencing these attacks. We too have an enemy who wants to attack the truth. And here's what Jesus says about this enemy, which is the devil. Jesus calls him out in John 8, 44. He makes it very clear. He's very blunt. He says this about the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Five times in in one breath, Jesus is calling him out as a liar. He's a deceiver. There is no truth in him. It's been a burden on my heart to give this message because I want to Quite frankly, I want to expose him, and I want to shine the light on his tactics, and I want anyone hearing my voice right now who's been listening to his lies 
may we detect it. May we call it out. May we blow the whistle on the devil. I want you to know that whatever you're thinking or whatever you're feeling that's not true, I want you to be able to detect it and say, that is not true, that is the devil, and let's blow the whistle on him. And I know that some of you guys are thinking, Greg, what are you doing, man? You be careful because when you expose the devil and you call him out like you're doing, you're putting a big target on your back. He's going to want to attack you. And that may be true. And so I covet your prayers. But here's what I also realized. A soul is a soul. And any soul is game to the devil. He's going for it. I'll tell you why I believe that. I was talking to some parents recently who lost their son recently, who had been dealing with anxiety. And through her tears, the mom was telling me, the enemy knew his weakness and his vulnerability, and the enemy got him on his worst day. And when she said that to me, the truth dawned on me that the devil is no respecter of persons. A soul is a soul. So he will go for the weak and he will go for the strong. He'll go for the atheist and he'll go for the Christian. He'll go for the Buddhist and he'll go for the Muslim. He'll go for the the, the evangelist on the stage under the lights in front of a ton of people. And he'll go for that teen hiding in the dark all by himself. He'll go for that influencer with a million followers and he'll go with that person who feels like he's a loner at school with no friends. A soul is a soul and he is no respecter of any person. And if he could turn a soul against God and from the truth, he's going for it. So we all have targets on our backs. There's no one in the world who is immune to the deception of the enemy. And the psalmist here, who is a man of God, But in this lowest point, as he's mourning in his soul, he says, God, why have you rejected me? God, out of all people, why have you rejected me? And the truth is, God hasn't rejected him. God has not forsaken him. God has not left him. It's an all-out attack on the truth. And he's making this guy believe that he's been isolated by his very creator, the lover of his soul. That's a lie. That's a lie. And so if you've been hearing lies that have left you isolated, feeling alone, in despair, in the dark, I pray in Jesus' name, turn the lights on now. Father God, turn the lights on now and lead us to the truth. Some of you guys know that I've been riding my bike a lot lately. And I've been mountain biking. And a lot of people, when they hear about me mountain biking, they say, man, isn't it dangerous? Like, aren't you scared of crashing? And and I realize that it's not for everybody because when I ask people, do you want to come? And I'm trying to get people into the sport. A lot of people apparently aren't too thrilled about riding down narrow trails and rocky terrain and sometimes on the edge of a mountain where you could fall over the side. So when I ask people, most people are like, no, that's okay, I'm good. But for me, I, I, I don't know, I enjoy it. It's thrilling to me. I lo- it's enjoyable, actually. Until recently, some friends of mine said, hey, Greg, let's go night riding. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's okay. I'm good during the day. Like, I'm good during the day. Besides, I heard that at night, not only can you not see, but also at night, I've heard that critters come out at night. 
That's when the snakes come out, the rattlesnakes, the coyotes, they come out at night. So I think I'll ride during the day because riding during the night is just straight crazy. That's just straight nuts. No, they said, Greg, Greg, no, no, not if you have this. The, the new bike lights, that they, these things are so powerful. I'm not going to shine it in your eyes, but I want to show you that these things literally can light up the sky. This thing is 1,500 lumens, and I don't want to shine it in anybody's eye, so I'll shine it above you. But if this place were all dark, you would see how bright this thing is. And I've, I've seen that when you put it on your handlebars, wherever you turn your handlebars, it completely lights up the path. It's amazing. And I've come to really find that though it's still night all around me, writing is, is as clear as day. I see every little detail. And there's no fear when I'm riding with this. It's become a very enjoyable thing for me to do. And I love that picture that God has given me. Because it reminds me of Psalm 119, 105, where it says this. It says, your, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Last week, my friend was sharing a testimony with me about how he struggled so much of his life with depression. And he said it was so bad that his life was spiraling out of control. And he said he turned to drugs and alcohol to try to cope with it. Got addicted to that. He tried everything. He, he went to counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists. He said to me, he says, Greg, he says, you know what turned the light on for me? He said, honestly, what, what did it for me, what, what brought me out of it is when I found freedom in Jesus Christ. He says, when I found freedom in Christ, it was night and day. And he says this, I love how he put it. He says, it's like the lights turn on and all the cockroaches scattered. Because he says, Greg, my depression was purely demonic. It was straight from the devil. And I love that picture. Have you ever turned the lights on and saw all the, the critters scatter, all, all, the, all the cockroaches scatter? Because they don't want to hang out in the light. They don't like to be in the light. They run to the darkness. And he says when, when Christ came in and the light of Christ filled his heart and filled his mind, it's like the demons fled. And he experienced the freedom and the victory of Christ. I love what the psalmist says here in verse 3, in his lowest point. Verse 3, he says, God, send out your light and your truth and let them lead me. God, why have you rejected me? Why is there mourning in my soul? Wait, hold on. God, send your light and your truth and let them lead me. And so write this down. Here's the solution. The truth of God leads us out of the darkness. If the oppression of the enemy leaves us in darkness, then the truth of God leads us out of the darkness. And just like this light can light the path, for us so that we can see as if it were clear as day. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. This is going to help me when all around me is dark. This is helping me find my path. Truth is, all of us hear voices every single day. And whether you like to admit that or not, we all hear voices, hundreds of voices. Voices from social media and the news media. Voices from this pastor and that politician, 
voices from my unbelieving dad and voices from my believing mom. We all hear voices. Sometimes we're going to hear voices from the Spirit of God, and sometimes we're going to hear voices from the Father of lies. So how in the world are we going to know who to believe, what to believe, what is true and what is not? You're going to hear voices, maybe from your atheist coworker, maybe from your Christian life group member. And many of these voices are going to try to attack what is true, leave you in the dark, and leave you in despair. And some of the voices may say to you, they may say to you things like, hey man, your coworkers don't really like you, huh? You notice that? Like, I mean, they just walk by your office, don't even talk to you, don't stop to chat. They, they don't like you, do they? And it's not because they don't have time. They're in the other offices with the cool people in the office, and they're chatting about you. You know that, right? Or you might hear voices saying, do you even parent? Like, do you even care about your kids? Because if you did, you know, you, you would get them into basketball and baseball and football and art and theater and dance and get them a tutor, get them into AP classes. I mean, do you even parent? Because if you did, your kids would look a lot like their kids. You better step up your game. And then there's voices that are saying to you maybe, here, look, look, I know it's hard. It's, it's, it's depressing. Here, just just. Get under here. Just, it's safer down here. Just stay. Just, 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 just the two of us. It's good to be down here. Just get alone. No one needs to know we're here. Get that out of here. There are voices speaking to us, wanting to deceive us. And I want to say, let one have the final word. Let this right here have the final word. Let this be your greatest authority. Let this be your sole source of truth. Let's come back and let the light and the truth lead us. And so here's the question. Where in the world should the light and the truth lead us? Just aimlessly? Just trying to lead us somewhere? Where is it leading us? I want to say no. It's very directional. Because look, he continues in verse 3 again. He says, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Where? Let them bring me to your holy hill, to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God. Everyone say, altar of God. One more time. The altar of God. Where's that? That's to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. And so for the psalmist, he's calling out for his truth and his light to lead him where? To the altar, which is in the temple in Jerusalem. But think about this. Why would you want to go there? At the altar, that's where life is lost and blood is shed. Oh, what, what, why, why do you want to go there when you're in despair? I'll tell you why. Because that was the place where God would be experienced. 
There in the temple is where the presence of God dwelt. That is the place where mercy sat. That is the place where redemption occurred. That is the place where their hope was found. So the altar was a place of worship. And so he says, I will be reminded of the joy of my salvation, of God my exceeding joy. And so I'm going to praise you there with the lyre. I will praise you, God my God. Bring me there. And so for, for the, the person in the Old Testament, the altar was there in the Jerusalem temple. The question is, where's the light for us going to lead us to? The altar no longer exists. The temple no longer exists. So for us here living in this day, where is the light and the truth supposed to lead us to? Is, is the light supposed to try to find the quickest way out of the ex, out of the darkness? Is it trying to look for the nearest exit? Is, is it there? Is it there? Where, where is it leading us to? And I want to tell you, it's not leading us just anywhere out of the darkness. Where is it leading us to? There. Right there. And this becomes for us our altar of praise. Because it is here where a lamb was sacrificed, where blood was shed. It is here where redemption occurred, where our salvation is secured. It is here where the demons get scared, right? Because of what Christ has done for you and has declared over you. This is the place of worship. This is a place where we're reminded when we look in the face of the cross, you are deeply loved. You are passionately pursued. You are so worth it that you were purchased, bought with the currency of Christ's blood. And so this becomes our altar of praise. This is where we are reminded of God's deep love over you. Amen? Amen. So let this be the final word. And let this word lead us to the place of praise. Now, when you hear these voices chattering in your mind all day, how do we know if that, that's the Spirit of God or if that's the Father of lies? Because both speak. I'll tell you how you know. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. The Spirit convicts and the devil condemns. And what the Spirit of God will do is he will show you maybe your sin, your imperfection, your flaws, your shortcomings. But what he's going to do, he's going to use the word of truth to lead you in that sin. Where? That way. He's leading you to the cross, closer to Christ, into his grace, where you receive redemption. And he's bringing you closer to Jesus so that you would be like him in, in his likeness so that the word of truth would sanctify you and perfect you like Jesus Christ, the lover of your soul. That's what the Spirit is doing. That's conviction. And the father of lies ain't bringing you over there. The father of lies is going to show you the same sin, the same flaw, the same imperfection, but instead of bringing you there, he's bringing you this way, further away from the cross. He's going to try to blind your eyes to the grace that's available. He's going to try to leave you in despair, leave you in darkness, trap you in guilt. And he's going to say, really, again, you fell again? <laughs> you, you know there's a, there's a limit to God's grace, right? Right, liar. He's going to say, you know, you know God could only forgive you six times, right? Doesn't it say he only forgives you six times? He surely can't forgive you seven, and surely not 70 times, seven times. I think you're over the limit, bro. 
So therefore, I think God's over you. He's so over you. And so is everybody else. And I want to say what Sister declared, liar! That is a straight-up lie. That is an all-out attack on the truth. And I want to say to you, give God the final word because his word will always lead you closer to grace, whereas the devil will always lead you away from grace. And Hebrews 4.16 tells us this. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of what? Grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so that's the solution. If the oppression of the enemy is going to leave us in darkness, then the truth of God will lead us out of the darkness. And so what's the application? If the truth is going to lead us out, then what's the application? It's going to lead us out. Preach the truth to yourself. Preach the truth to yourself. You're walking down the street, and this person's walking toward you. No one around this person. Guy's walking down the street, and he's walking like, (laughs) get out of town. Are you kidding me? No, you're crazy. And and he's talking, and and there's no one around him. What are you thinking? In 2021, you're thinking two things. One, he's either insane, he lost his mind because he's talking to himself, or what? He's on the phone. Is he on the phone? You're checking. Does he have AirPods on? Is there a Bluetooth? Because if he's talking to someone, okay, then he's good. I don't have to be afraid. He's not crazy. He hasn't lost his mind. And we always think that when people talk to themselves, that's a sign of insanity. They've lost their mind. I want to suggest to you, brothers and sisters, that maybe the best way to keep you sane and to keep you from losing your mind is to talk to yourself. Specifically, preach the truth. Preach the gospel to yourself. Because that's what I see the psalmist do. In verse 5, as he closes off Psalm 43, he's, he's in this despair. He, he realized the light and the truth can lead me. In verse 5, he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God, and he starts talking to his own soul, preaching the gospel of salvation to himself. I love how Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones puts it. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he was a pastor, and he was a medical doctor. So he has the spiritual perspective and the medical perspective on depression, and here's what he says. He says, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning you've not originated them but they're talking to you they bring back the problems of yesterday chatter 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 somebody's talking who's talking to you yourself is talking to you now the psalmist here in psalm 43 his response was this instead of allowing the self to talk to him he starts talking to himself why so downcast oh my soul he asked See, his soul had been depressing him and crushing him, so he stands up and says, Self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. And he goes on to proclaim that God is my hope and my salvation. Self, I need you to sit down and shut up. Let me talk to you, but let me share you some good news. Some days we wake up in the morning, we're we're our own worst enemies, aren't we? And we could tell ourselves the nastiest lies. 
And on those days, we are our own worst enemies. There's an enemy who's influencing. Those thoughts didn't originate in you. It might sound like your voice, but it doesn't originate in you. There is a mastermind who wants to attack the truth in you and about you, and he's waging war on your mind. So what do we do on those days when we feel like we've become our worst enemy? Well, preach the gospel to yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself because when you remind yourself of the good news and you tell yourself the good news, what you're doing is just saying, devil, shut up, and I need God to give me the final word right now. And you tell yourself and remind yourself of the truth God has spoken over you. You remind yourself of the fact that you have hope in Christ. You have worth in Christ. You remind yourself of the fact that you've been saved because God saw that you were worth saving. And so let God have the final word. And so I want to say to you, preach it, sister. Preach it, brother. And say to yourself, self, why are you so downcast? Remember. Remember what the word tells you, the good news. Ephesians 2, remember that? Verse 4 and 5. Because of God's great love for you. God, who is rich in mercy, made you alive in Christ, though you were dead in your sin. It is by grace you've been saved. Oh, yeah. And remember Psalm 139? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's right. God made me on purpose. He knit me together in my mother's womb on purpose, and he made me for a purpose. Remember Ephesians 2.10? You are his workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for you in advance. So walk in them. Oh, yeah, I have a purpose. I got anxieties. Remember what Peter told us, 1 Peter 5, 7. If you got anxieties, cast your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He didn't just create you and let you go. No, he cares for you. He wants to be in your life. Oh, yeah. Self, remember, who are you trying to please? Galatians 1.10. Am I now trying to win the approval of, of man or of God? If I'm still trying to please man? If I'm still trying to please man, then I'm not a servant of Christ. Oh, yeah, you're the one I serve. I'm not here to please anybody down here or win approval of anyone down here. Oh, yeah, you're my master. I seek your approval. And we preach the good news found in the good word to ourselves. And if the truth is able to lead us out of darkness and lead us to the truth, then preach the truth to yourself. Shine the light on his lies. Allow this lamp to lead you back to the cross, to our pillar of truth, to our place of praise. As your pastors, we will do all that we can in the 40 to 45 minutes of each week out of the 168 hours that you have, we will preach our hearts out. And we will try to be as faithful as we can to this word and we will preach with all that is in us. But would you promise me this, brothers and sisters, that when we are not preaching to you for the rest of the 167 hours of the week, that you would preach the good news to yourself, that you would read this word, that you would search out the passages that, that show your worth. Find the words that give hope to your soul. Find the passages that remind you of his love. Find the good news that tells of God's promises over you, his purposes over you. And preach the good news to yourself. 
And let the lover of your soul, your creator, your designer, have the final word. Amen? Amen. I want us to spend some time in prayer. I want to pray over you, but before we close our eyes, I just want to say this one last thing. I realize that some of us can be in such deep despair that opening the Bible is the last thing we're thinking about doing. I get that. And I know that we can be in such a dark place that you're not even talking to God. And he might be the last person you want to talk to. And so if you're hearing my voice right now, I want to say, and, and, and you're, you're not okay, tell somebody. Please, we have a family. We're brothers, we're sisters, we love you. Reach out to me. Reach out to any of our pastors and let someone know. Because if you're not able to preach the good news to yourself, maybe they're able to take what is true and preach it to you and remind you of what is true. On my last night ride, true story, on my last night ride with my friends, my light went out. We still had a few more miles to go. My light went out. But that was okay because the lights are so powerful that my friends stayed close to me one guy rode in front of me, one guy rode in behind me, and they lit my path. And the light that they shine on my path when my light went out led me home. So tell somebody. And we will make sure that we will help each other walk in the light to the cross. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. In Jesus' name. God, I pray for healing upon those who are hurting, those who are broken, those who are suffering. God, be it physically, heal them. If it's spiritually or emotionally, heal them. God, I pray that you would turn the lights on. Show us what's true. Remind us of who you are. God, drown out the noise of the enemy. May your voice rise above everything else. And may we hear from God Almighty, the lover of our souls, our creator and designer. God, I just want to pray that, that if there's anything demonic, anything of the spiritual realm going on, Lord, let the light cause them to flee. May they run back to the darkness and may we stay in your light, God. God, thank you so much that there's great victory and there's great hope and there's great promise for those who are in Christ Jesus. So Lord, we turn to you, God. We need you. Give us freedom. Your word says that if, if we are in Christ and the Son sets us free, we're free indeed. So set us free, God. You say your word sets us free. Set us free, God. You say your word sanctifies us in the truth. Sanctify us, God. And so Lord, we thank you so much, so much for the hope that we have. God, you are great you are greater than he who is in the world. Because of your greatness, we sing and we worship you with all that we have, with all that is in us. We worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen.